Hi, everyone. All through my life, I've always been someone who would say, I'll never own a dog. I mean, really, how practical is it to have a dog? Have we really got space for a dog? A dog needs to be walked every day. I mean, that's a lot of time. There's the expense of having a dog. There's working out what's going to happen to this dog when you go on holiday, and so on. But the funny thing is that last year, I bought this dog. So now, I've been a dog owner for exactly a year. And you might wonder, Adrian, how did that happen? I mean, 49 years of opposition to dog ownership, and now all of a sudden, you've got a dog, you're a dog owner? How did that happen? Well, here's what happened. I was the target of a coordinated campaign. My wife and our four children conspired together to wear me down, partly through sheer persistence. Daddy, please can we have a dog? And there were petitions, signed petitions, asking for a dog. There were emails. You get an email from one of your kids, and the subject field says, six reasons why God wants us to have a dog. And then they build a case. Some of these reasons, believe it or not, supported by Bible verses. I was sent PowerPoint shows about why we should have a dog. When we went away on holiday in the summer, they all sang worship songs to God, worshipping God as the creator of dogs. They would refer to God simply as the dog maker. And towards the end, they all bombarded my inbox with photos of cute dogs. And gradually, they wore me down. But here's the funny thing. Now, I quite like this dog. Because when you come back into the house, this dog is so excited that you just walked in. I mean, I've been walking in the house for 49 years. There's been no particular excitement. But now, whoa, you're so cool. You walked in the door. Whoa. I get this huge greeting, real, genuine enthusiasm. Even if I've only been out the house for a few minutes, hey, you walked back in the door. You're so cool. Hey, welcome home. And I go down the park. Maybe uh, there's a stationary dog with its owner. The owner maybe is chatting to another dog walker. Our dog will race up to the stationary dog and zoom past, sort of burning the stationary dog, seeking to arouse the stationary dog into a chase, basically saying, hey, look how exciting your life could be if you chase me. You're leading a dull, boring, doggy life. I'm exciting. Hey, look how fast I can run. And then they'll chase each other round and round in a manic kind of frenetic way all round the park. But one thing I've really been quite impressed by is that on the rare occasions when our dog has been hurt, bitten, confronted or even attacked by another dog, our dog has just walked away, carried on walking through the park, moved on to the next thing. Whereas in my life, when I have been bitten, confronted or hurt by other people, I've wanted to get revenge. I don't just move on and not only feel they should get justice, but I feel like I'm the one who should administer the justice. I have a proper think about how unfair it was. I've not been very good at forgiving and moving on and living life to the full. And this week in our series, we're looking at what Jesus said about forgiving the people who have hurt us. 
In this series, we're trying to avoid a simplistic two-dimensional view of Jesus. Instead, we want to see the real Jesus as He really is. We want to see Jesus in three dimensions, so to speak. And in Luke's Gospel, the real Jesus commands me to totally forgive everyone who sins against me. He does so on several occasions. Here is just one. It is the parable of the Good Samaritan. It would have shocked Jesus' hearers, Jesus' Jewish hearers, because from their point of view, there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. Samaritans were enemies. The Samaritans had stolen Jewish land when the Jews had been carted off into exile in Babylon hundreds of years before. Now the Jews were back. They're back from exile. They're back in the land. But the Samaritans were still living in the same place. I mean, try to imagine the worst possible relationship with your next-door neighbor. There was this simmering tension and resentment, and in that context, Jesus told his Jewish hearers about a Jewish man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When? He was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Next day, he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, uh, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. In other words, Jesus says, be like the good Samaritan. Forgive your enemy, Jesus says. I have to confess to you that I have committed the sin of unforgiveness. In fact, I would be ashamed if you knew how long I struggled with the sin of unforgiveness. Who didn't I forgive? What did they do to me? Well, I have promised to not go around telling everybody about the wrong that I believed had been done to me, but suffice to say, I had never been hurt so deeply. And all this time, I thought my unforgiveness was okay because I thought that what they'd done to me was so bad, was so wrong, but here in the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus teaches me I should forgive totally. The Samaritan demonstrates total forgiveness, and Jesus tells me, go and do likewise. Verse 37. In other words, Adrian, you should forgive totally. Do you know, it was the hardest thing that I have ever been asked to do. And I'm going to ask you to do something today which could be the hardest thing that you have ever been asked to do. Because at the end, I'm going to ask you to totally forgive the person 
who hurt you and to express that by writing their name down and then putting that name on the cross. You may not have a cross, but you could just make a simple cross with a couple of pencils and just bring that person's name to the cross, saying that you're forgiving them. That, that's one possible response. Others of you, at the end, you'll want to write your own name on here. Why? Because you have not yet forgiven yourself for something that you did that was wrong. Hey, it's hardly total forgiveness if you've not yet forgiven yourself. So you can do that today. You'll feel so much better when you do. You can forgive yourself. Instead of this, you can just write three letters, G-O-D. Because you've had a grudge against God, you've resented God for something that He allowed to happen. Okay, all of that at the end. First, though, it is not easy to forgive. But the cross is a visual reminder that it was not easy for God to forgive our sin. I repeat to you, this was the hardest thing that I have ever been asked to do. But it was also the greatest thing that I've ever been asked to do. And the good news is that as I began to forgive, a new joy came into my heart. I'm talking on this subject today to help anyone who has been hurt by other people, however deeply. Have you been hurt by someone else? Yes? Well, this talk is for you. So we need to come to terms with the fact we have been hurt. We need to come to terms with the reality of what has happened. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 17 verse 1 that offenses will come, that it is inevitable. And some offenses are appalling. But the offenses that I have had to forgive have not been things that need to be reported to the police. Today, I'm talking about all the stuff that isn't that serious, all the stuff that's not that bad. I'm talking about the times when we are hurt and we want to get even. We want revenge. We're hurt, and at the very least, we end up holding a grudge against that person. You may have gone through some disappointments. Things in your life may not have worked out the way that you had hoped People have treated you wrong. You may have suffered some major setbacks. Perhaps somebody cheated you or lied about you. You may have good reasons for feeling the way that you do. You may have gone through things in life that no one deserves to experience. Maybe you have every reason to be angry and bitter. So we need to come to terms with the fact that we have been hurt. But nobody, not even God, ever promised that this life would be fair. So let's talk about what total forgiveness is not. If someone has hurt you, total forgiveness is not you approving of what they did. No, no one is asking you to do that. Total forgiveness is not you excusing what they did. No one's asking you to do that. Total forgiveness isn't you pretending that you're okay. Nobody's asking you to do that. Total forgiveness isn't you being reconciled. Hey, the chances are that relationship is never going to be the same again. Besides, it takes two to be reconciled. Total forgiveness isn't you forgetting what they did to you. No one's asking you to literally forget what happened to you. That's completely unrealistic. 
Instead, the good news is that there is a way forward for all of us. The good news is today we are going to hear just two really good reasons to forgive. And the first reason to forgive is because of what Jesus did on the cross. You see, Jesus didn't just teach us to forgive. No, Jesus gave us forgiveness. You see, at the cross, you got totally forgiven. Now, what does it mean to be totally forgiven? It means that you won't be punished for any of your sins. Nobody will ever know about your sins because God won't tell. I mean, this is fantastic. For example, when Peter is launching the Christian church, he's preaching about uh, what Jesus did on the cross. He says about your sins, your sins have been wiped out. Acts 3.19. Your sins have gone. What, they just disappeared? No, the Bible says that God the Father has laid on Jesus the sin, the iniquity of us all. And now 1 John 1.7 says that Jesus' blood cleanses us from all sin. You've received total forgiveness. That's why it's so liberating. That's why it's so freeing. Every single thing you've ever done wrong has been forgiven and you didn't deserve it. Wait, hang on a minute. That's our whole problem, isn't it? Our whole problem is that we think the person who hurt us doesn't deserve to be forgiven and for all I know the person who hurt you doesn't deserve to be forgiven but neither do I. And yet at the cross God totally forgave me. A second positive reason to forgive is because you will feel better if you forgive. You see, holding a grudge doesn't make you feel happy. You replaying what they did to you doesn't make you feel better. It makes you feel worse. You're letting the person who hurt you, have power over you. You are captive as long as you're drinking in unforgiveness. And slowly, you become a bitter person. Have you ever tasted something bitter? It's like we're carrying around this poison, this toxic waste of unforgiveness. And when we don't forgive, we're not hurting the other person, we're hurting ourselves. Unforgiveness doesn't hurt your enemy. It hurts you. Unforgiveness is like you drinking poison, hoping your enemy will die. No, don't hold on to feelings of bitterness and resentment. Don't let them poison your future. You can forgive the people who did you wrong. You can forgive yourself for any mistakes you may have made. You will never be truly happy as long as you harbor bitterness in your heart. Yeah, but why did it happen to me? Answer, I don't know. But when we're hurt, we have a choice. We can either hold on to the grudge and become bitter, or we can choose to be free. Don't let the bitterness into your system. For your emotional and spiritual health, you cannot afford to keep drinking this poison any longer. You can't do anything about the past, but you can do something about your future. Don't let this poison contaminate your system any longer. Today you're saying, I refuse to drink the poison of unforgiveness 
anymore. Can you imagine yourself drinking from a crystal clear stream? There was once a beautiful village in Africa in a mountainous region. There was a small tribe who lived there, and they had a stream of wonderful, clear, clean drinking water which trickled down into the village from a mountain above them. Until one day, people noticed that the water had started to taste bitter. Then two or three days later, people started to fall sick and ill. And so the village elders got together and they started to walk up the mountain to trace the stream up to the source. And they found the source of the stream was in a cave. And inside the cave, they found that some wild pigs had somehow got into the cave. But once the pigs had got in, they couldn't get out. The pigs had died in the cave and the bodies had started to decompose, and the clean water was flowing over the dead pigs. That's what was contaminating the water supply that the villagers were drinking. And so what the village elders did is they climbed into the cave, they got hold of the carcasses, they dragged the dead pigs out, and they burnt them. And you know the water returned to its crystal clear form? It became totally pure, and clean. All the people who were sick were healed, and today that can happen to you. If you will begin to forgive the people who've offended you, the bitterness will leave, and you will feel like a crystal clear stream once again. You can experience the joy and the peace that God intended for you to have. You can forgive the people who hurt you, you can forgive the friend who betrayed you. You can get rid of the poison. And when you do forgive, this is the best bit, you will start to feel good. The bitterness has gone. You feel clean. You feel like a pure stream, no longer polluted by feelings of unforgiveness. Here's how it can work for you. Here's what happens to the poison. On the night before he died, Jesus was praying so hard in the Garden of Gethsemane that drops of blood fell from his forehead into the ground. Now, let's imagine that I had been there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I arrive holding this cup, which contains all the sins that I have committed. So I'm not perfect enough for a perfect heaven. The Bible says about heaven that nothing impure will ever enter it, so I can't go to heaven when I die. Inside my cup are all my sins, all the times I have hurt other people. I have to drink my own cup for that. So here I am, I'm holding my cup. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. If I drink this thing, I will die. Meanwhile, Jesus, he's over here, lying on the ground in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has never sinned. He's never done anything wrong. Jesus didn't have a cup. So why is Jesus sweating drops of blood? Why is Jesus agonizing about my cup and your cup? Because God the Father has asked Jesus to drink your cup and my cup. You see, if God is going to be the just judge of all the universe, he must punish sin. A just judge can't just pretend that sin doesn't exist, pretend it doesn't matter. A just judge has to punish sin. The cup must be drunk. Your sin, my sin, it can't just be ignored. And because God so loved you, the Father's plan is that Jesus drinks 
your cup instead of you. And Jesus is in agony of soul because he's being asked not just to drink your cup, my cup, but to drink down the sins of everyone who would ever believe. God's plan is that on the cross, Jesus would drink a massive cup of sin. And so Jesus prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me. Father, if there's any other way that John and Emma and Sam and Sally, whatever your names, if, if they can be saved some other way, if they can have their sins forgiven some other way and go to heaven without me having to go to the cross, please can I avoid the cross? Let me not have to drink the judgment for their sin. Let this cup be taken from me. But when he finished the prayer, the heavens were silent. There was no other way. And so Jesus magnificently says yes to the Father's plan. Jesus says, okay, Father, if there's no other way, I will drink the cup. Not my will, but yours be done, he said. Jesus Christ was and is the only perfect person who's ever lived. The only perfect person who's perfect enough for a perfect heaven. Jesus didn't have his own cup. He didn't have his own sins. That's why it's so amazing that on the cross, Jesus drank your cup. He drank my cup. On the cross, an exchange took place. A swap took place. Christ gives you his righteousness. He gives you his perfection. And in return, he drank the poison. When he finished drinking the poison, taking all the punishment for all of your sins, he said, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit and died. Jesus drank the poison so that you don't have to. So that if you do put your trust in Christ today, Jesus takes your sins and he gives you his righteousness. Wow. And from the cross, Jesus forgave the people who were killing him. He said, Father, forgive them. Now, I don't know where you are at with this forgiving the person who hurt you business. Right now, you may be thinking, I can't do it. I can't forgive. It's too hard. They hurt me too badly. You might be thinking, Adrian, look, you've got no idea what they did to me. And you're right. I have absolutely no idea what they did to me. But here is one thing. Here's one thing that I do know about you. I know that if you feel like you have been left holding this ball and chain of unforgiveness, here is the one thing that I do know about you. I know that sometime in the future, maybe a week from now, maybe a month from now, maybe a year from now, maybe 10 years from now, I know this thing is going to start feeling really heavy. And that is why today Jesus is asking you to let it go. You see, you're not forgiving for their sake. You're forgiving for your sake. You are forgiving so that you won't have to carry this thing all through the rest of your life. You're deciding, I'm not going to allow this person to hurt me any longer. Because the truth is, you're not hurting them at all by holding on to this thing. Forgive so that you can be free. How can you enjoy the Christian life if you are carrying this unforgiveness around? Today, Jesus asks, is asking you to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And here's the thing about this. 
You can live a life of forgiveness. You don't have to go around trying to pay people back, trying to get revenge, because God sees every wrong that has ever been done to you. God sees every person who has ever hurt you, and he is keeping the record. God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So don't elbow in on God's territory. Hey, if the person who hurt you should be punished in this life, God will do it. God will take care of what needs to be taken care of if you don't step in and try and do it for him. Maybe you've suffered a setback. Maybe things didn't work out the way that you hoped they would, but now that's in the past. It's something you can't change. You can't unscramble eggs. Somebody may have rejected you, but you can hold your head up high knowing God accepts you. Ultimately, I had to make an important decision. Which do I prefer, the bitterness or the peace? And having been on both sides, I can tell you the bitterness just isn't worth it. The peace is better. Hey, I can remember the day. I can take you to the exact place. I can take you to the exact street where it happened. I was walking along the pavement. I was doing the last little bit of forgiveness that I needed to do. And when I had finished, God spoke to me. Not audibly, but it was as real and as loud as if God had spoken audibly. God said, it's done. It's over. Boom. A supernatural peace flooded my heart and my mind. Finally, I was free from unforgiveness and bitterness. Finally, I could enjoy the rest of my life. What a great day that was. You can experience that same feeling. I want that for you. Forgiveness doesn't mean you agree with them. Forgiveness doesn't mean now you think that they were right. Forgiveness means freedom for you. Today, Jesus is asking you to let it go. Today, you're deciding, I refuse to keep my life on hold, waiting for them to say sorry. I refuse to waste any more time waiting for an apology that may never come. Today, I'm deciding to do myself a favor and let it go. Because the alternative to this is you holding on to this thing. The alternative is you holding on to this ball and chain, saying, do you know, I'm so angry about what you did. What you did was so unfair. Do you know what I'm going to do to get back at you? I'm going to keep holding on to this thing, this offense for the next 10 years. Ha! See how you like that. And meanwhile, the person who hurt you, either they don't know that you're still offended, or if they do know that you're still offended, they still don't think that they did anything wrong. So here is something really positive that you can bring out of what is a negative situation. You can decide to forgive first without you ever getting an apology. You decide today to let it go. Remember, you are not doing this for them. This is something you do for you. Today, Jesus is asking you to do yourself a favor. The score's not even, but let it go. You didn't get the last word, but let it go. They never paid you back the money, but let it go. You decide today to let it go. This is something you do for you. It's not about them. Let it go, you say. I can't let it go. Maybe you say, I can't let it go. I can't just drop what happened to me. Okay, well, bring it to Jesus. 
Jesus is asking you, bring it to him. He's willing to take your burden. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. On the cross, Jesus bore all the sins, all the offenses of everyone who would ever believe. Jesus became an offense on the cross. So let it go. Leave your load. Leave your burden at the cross so that you can be free. Don't you want that? You want to be free, don't you? And you can be free today. So let the past be past at last. Now, if you're not sure that you are a Christian, you can have this new start in life with Jesus Christ right now. The Bible says He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you, He'll be with you always. This is a God who loves you so much. And you can know the love of God right now. If you're not sure that you really are a Christian, but you want Jesus in your life, then click on the pop-up icon. Click on the raised hand icon. We can help you with the next steps. Because the fact is that one day, all of us will face a judgment day. We will have to drink our own cup, unless, of course, while we were alive, we said yes to Jesus if you and I turn to Jesus, Jesus drinks our cup so that we'll never have to. So maybe for you, it's a decision that you need to make. Do you really want to drink your own cup? If not, let Jesus drink your cup for you. You can be free. Just click on that raised hand icon. But maybe you're already following Jesus. Maybe you need to forgive a particular person. Don't wait for feelings or forgiveness and sympathy for that person who hurt you because those feelings will probably never come. This is not about feelings. This is a decision. We have been given forgiveness. Now it's our chance to forgive others just as we were forgiven. We get a chance to do that right now. So do yourself a favor, forgive. Write that person's name down and let it go. Let it go to the cross. Next, some of you, maybe you need to write your own name on this post-it note. Why? Because you need to forgive yourself for something that you've done wrong. Remember, it's hardly total forgiveness if you've not yet forgiven yourself. Finally, maybe you need to write the letters G-O-D on this piece of paper. Why? Because you have been holding a grudge against God for something that God let happen. Hey, I've no idea why God let it happen. You've got no idea why God let it happen. The reason we don't know is because we're not God. God is God. Maybe one day in heaven, things that don't make sense at the moment will make sense in a way that at the moment we can't even imagine. But look, in your heart of hearts, you know that you holding a grudge against God isn't going to help. You want to live a happy, emotionally fulfilled life. Folks, the good news is that our sins are washed away. Jesus has drunk the cup. Jesus has carried our load. You are free right now in Jesus' name.